Shalom, and welcome back to another episode of Ezra International's It's All About the Aliyah. You know, for over 25 years now, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people make it home to the land of Israel, the land of their biblical destiny. Hi, I'm your host, Gary Christofero. And today we're going to take a pause from our country profiles, and I want to address a very disturbing current trend with potentially tragic results for those who are caught up in it. Today's anti-Semitic tropes that we're, that we're hearing in social media are not new. They're taking from things like Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a very ancient book uh, with, filled with lies about the Jewish people. But they've taken on new life in this age of globalism and COVID-19 on social media. And they need to be addressed. They need to be put to rest. And I believe the antidote for uh, social media lies is the scripture, is the word of God. And that's what we want to do today. You know, Hoshea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That is the very reason why I began this series many weeks ago. This series is, uh, is an attempt to bring the truth of God's word regarding the Jewish people to light, to the world. And it's also the reason why I started in episode one of this series to, with the foundational teaching about Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant helps us to put things in context and put things in perspective. And always we can always go back to the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and help uh, bring clarity to things that we're hearing in the world today. You know. The, the, the uh, Abrahamic covenant was unconditional, and it was eternal. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 18 says, God made, made it, he swore by his own name because he could swear by no one greater. And that by two immutable things, the fact that he made the oath and the fact that God cannot lie, we know that that promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still alive and well today. And nothing that the Jewish people could do would break that covenant promise. So we need to, to ground ourselves in Scripture and understand these things before we believe or, and, and God forbid, spread the lies that are being spread on social media. And you know, the Christian world ignored uh, Paul's warning. When we go to the book of Romans, and we will in just a moment, we can see very clearly that much of the Christian world ignored this, this very serious uh, warning that, God, that, that Paul made to the believers in Rome and to believers still today. Now, when I say believers in Rome, we have to understand the context of this book. When Paul wrote to the, the followers of the way in Rome, it was, it was in the context of uh, you know, expulsion. When I say expulsion, in 49 CE, Roman, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews in Rome. And so what do you have left of this Jewish sect of the way but the Gentile converts? The Gentile converts were trying to carry on without the guidance of their Jewish brothers and sisters. And now you have this happen in, in, in the... Uh, in the say, at the same time, where Jerusalem is losing influence in, in under uh, uh, because of what's happening there, uh, they're losing influence in the way, and the 
church or the, the believers in Rome are gaining influence because that's the center of the Roman Empire. And so with this happening, with it was easy for deception to set in. And eventually, the way was swallowed up in Roman Christianity. And, and I, I dedicated an entire episode to replacement theology. All, of the, all of this happened because they ignored the warning that Paul gave in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, starting in verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, you being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Boasting, arrogance, forgetting the fact that the fatness of the olive tree is the, the Jewish people, the, the, the fact that God made this covenant promise with Abraham, that they would be the oracles of God, they would be the representatives of God, and that we as Gentiles are grafted into them and become representatives of God, but become part of this family. So we cannot boast against it. We cannot become arrogant against it. We cannot, we cannot cut them out and think that somehow we'll still be supported. In verse 19, it says, You will say to them, say them, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but to, toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. This is a, a warning. It is a good sound advice for the Christian church. Unfortunately, for many, it went unheeded. And as I said, this sect of Judaism, known as the Way, got swallowed up in Roman Christianity. And that, therefore, many of these deeply rooted uh, anti-Semitic tropes found their, their origins here. And by the 14th century, they were, they were well-rooted. The narrative that the Jews killed Jesus uh, was widespread throughout the Christian world. And when the Black Death came and ki killed millions, guess who got the blame? I mean, when it arrived in 1346, immediately the Jews were blamed of poisoning the wells of Christian Europe. And then when the full um, magnitude of the plague was known, by 1348 and 1349, millions had died. By then, it was widely accepted in Christian Europe that it was the Jews to blame for all of the death. And they, they became those who were easily blamed for all the ills of the world. And then when COVID-19 struck in our generation, these, these, these tropes were, were recycled. 
and they began to get the blame for it as well. In fact, there was an article in the Jerusalem Post by Brian Schroger that it was entitled COVID-19 and the Jews, Today's Black Plague. And Brian said this, and I quote, as they did in the 14th century, conspiracy theories will metastasize into anti-Semitism. It is a virtually inevitable dynamic. Global cabals become Jewish cabals. The unseen elite becomes the Jewish elite. Political manipulators become Zionist manipulators. The wealthy 1% become the Rothschild 1%. And attacks against Chinese Europeans or Americans becomes attacks against Jewish Europeans or Americans. You see, inevitably, the, the, all the ills of the world became a Jewish problem, or they, the Jews are to blame for all of these things. And one of, the, one of the dynamics within this is hatred for one becomes hatred for all. I call it the Haman complex. Uh, it's something that we read about in the book of Esther that I'm going to turn to here in a moment. And we see it today. For example, the George Soros. George Soros is Jewish. Now, do I defend anything that George Soros does? Believe me, no. Do, please, get, make, I want to make this very clear. Do not take me wrong here. I am not defending George Soros by any means. But hatred for this one man by some is also trans transferred to all Jewish people in today's economy, in, in today's social media buzz, and all of the other uh, ways that, that these, these tropes are spread. Uh, the Rothschilds, another example. Uh, we'll, we'll address that, that, that family in a moment. But you hear that name come up constantly when, we're talk, when people talk about cabals and how the world is being run. But let, let's listen to where this type of thing comes from. All the way back in the book of Esther, we have a man named Haman, if you're familiar with the story, who is promoted by the king to great authority, and everybody is to bow to him. Everybody is to pay homage to Haman. But Mordecai, who will only bow to one, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will not bow to Haman. And this infuriates Haman. And in verse 5 of Esther chapter 3, we read this. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. You see, how the hatred for one man now became the hatred for many, all of the Jewish people. And this is the same thing we see happening today. And in many conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory, who gets the blame for all the ills of the world today? The Jewish people. Now, I mentioned the Rothschild family. The Rothschilds uh, were, were beneficiaries of a, a European, uh, European Christian, European policies that that forced the Jewish people into handling, uh, being handlers of the finances of of the known world. Then, 
and they made their fortunes. And the they the Austrian or the uh, the Rothschilds were in Austria and many of the countries of Europe. Now the Austrian Rothschilds had to flee when the Nazis invaded. They escaped to the United States, but they lost their entire fortunes to the Nazis, including uh, a number of palaces and huge amounts of artwork, but also the banks. They had sizable assets uh, confiscated by the Nazis. So if there is a theory out there floating around that somehow the Rothschilds financed the Nazis' work, their, their atrocities against the Jewish people, the Holocaust. This might be the little bit of seed of truth to that theory, but you can see where it's so perverted. They lost their assets to the Nazis. They were seized by the Nazis, and anything that they had uh, that was used to do the atrocities that the Nazis performed uh, came from this, this uh, seizure of their assets, not because they voluntarily financed the Nazis' work. You see the difference? So these are the conspiracy theories that need to be addressed. Uh, uh, this is among them. I'm going to continue, but I think this is a good place to take a break. We're going to talk about um, how God feels about Jewish, the Jewish people and Zion in a moment. But first, this commercial break, and we'll be right back. It is hard to imagine in this day and age that many Jewish people in remote parts of the world still lack the basic human necessities you and I take for granted and suffer discrimination due to their Jewish heritage. Even though the wall of communism has fallen, Many Jewish people around the world live in conditions that deprive them of freedom and opportunity they so deserve. In the Bible, God prophesied over 300 times that He would restore the Jewish people to their land and specifically called Gentiles to help. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand in an oath to the nations and set my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. The restoration of Israel isn't our idea, it's God's. Since 1995, Ezra International supporters have helped over 77,000 people from around the world. The good news is, a gift of $30 per month for a year can help a Jewish person return to Israel. Say yes. I want to be used by God to assist in the prophetic return of His precious Jewish people to the biblical homeland. Call the number below or visit EzraInternational.org and send your gift of hope today. Okay, before the break, I was talking about conspiracy theories and, and how the world thinks of the Jewish people. But let's, think, uh, let's look at how God views uh, the Jewish people and Zion itself. You know, I have a good friend who uh, said she was going to stop calling herself a Christian Zionist. And I asked her why, and she said, well, because Zionism has taken on such a negative connotation when you, when, you, when you search social media and when you look at some of the things people are saying. And I told her, I said, well, what does God say about Zion? 
that's more important than anything anybody can say on social media or on any other media. And so we looked at Zechariah chapter 8, starting in verse 1. This is, this is think, just feel the, the passion of God when we read Zechariah's words. Zechariah 8, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord host came saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of, of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. God is a Zionist, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel. He is a Zionist. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Now, I kept reading there for a reason. Because I, I don't know how many of you, I, I hope many, have been to Israel, have walked these streets of Jerusalem. This is God. It is his passion and his faithfulness that has brought about the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And Jerusalem exists today because of God. Jerusalem exists today because of God's faithfulness. And the people of, of Israel and the, the, the citizens of, of Jerusalem are there because God is faithful and they are a walking, living miracle. Now, they may not realize it. Some and many do. And, and many who walk the streets of Jerusalem may not realize you're walking in a miracle. You're walking in prophetic fulfillment. This is the faithfulness of God. I've walked these streets many times, and, and there is a certain square in the old city of Jerusalem. Every time I walk it, I am brought back to this prophecy of Zechariah. In fact, I will quote it often while we're walking there with tour groups. I will share with them, look, because inevitably we see ki kids running around, kicking soccer balls and, and having a good time. I saw one time uh, the kids playing on, on, on the uh, menorah case that's outside the synagogue. And, and you'll see elderly sitting on the benches. It's an exact fulfillment of Zechariah's pro prophecy. In fact, one time I was walking on those streets sharing this prophecy when this little boy about five years old comes weaving through our group on his bicycle. It was his backyard. It was his, his playground. He was doing something very natural. It's the, it's the uh, miraculous in the mundane. He didn't know he was a living miracle, I don't think. But as we saw it, it was the exact fulfillment of, of God's word right before our eyes. So this is, I, I think this is important for us to understand. God is zealous for Zion, and he is doing these things. But there are many in the world who are saying, no, it's too soon. It's too soon. This can't be the fulfillment of these things. There are those who, um, who say that uh, in the Christian world, that they are not believers in, in, in Messiah, therefore they're not the Israel of God. Or the Jewish world who say we can't, they can't be in Israel until the Messiah comes back. 
There's all forms of those who deny the miraculous existence of the Jewish people in Israel today as being the fulfillment of the Word of God. There are, there's, a, there's a meeting that gets together every year in Bethlehem called Christ at the Checkpoint. Christians who get together with the sole purpose of bashing Christian Zionists. Uh, and and then and talking about all the evils of the of the Jewish people in Israel, and there, like I said, there are those in uh, Judaism. Uh, one man told me that, and he is in Israel, and he moved there, and he said, "Well, you you shouldn't be bringing back these uh, these Jewish people in unbelief," and and I thought, "Wow, is that that's the complex of you know I'm on the boat, pull up the ladder." He he's been he's been uh, been blessed by living in in Israel, but doesn't want anybody else to come. So it ha- it's both Christians and Jews who are making this accusation, unfortunately, and then many others, unbelievers. But what does the Word of God say? I'll continue in Zechariah chapter eight and verse seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back. And they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. It is God who is doing this. And you might say, well, that doesn't really speak of the timing of this. To to me, it does. He's saving them from the east and the west today. It's all about the Aliyah. But if you need the context and the timing of this, we, we we only need to turn to Ezekiel chapter 36 where he says they will be mocking and they will say these are the people of God and they're out of the land. Chapter 36, verse 22, God goes on to say through the prophet Ezekiel, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations will know that I am the Lord. I'm going to skip to verse 25. It says, well, no, let's let's go with verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of the countries, and bring you into your own land. Do you hear that? I will bring you into your own land. Verse 25 says, then... I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from your idols. You see, it's only after they return in unbelief that God says, then I will do this for you. I will give you a new heart and put put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You see, it doesn't have to be one or the other, that they will come back fully in belief or they will come back in unbelief. It shows, it, 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 it is written here that some will come back in unbelief, and then he will do a work in their hearts. And I'll, tell, I'll share with you where it does. I, I do believe there will be those who come back uh, in belief because there's both a push factor and a, pu- a pull factor. Now, I've talked about this a little bit in other episodes, but there is, for, the, for some, it, the, the Jewish people, they will, they will 
at some point awaken that that homing pigeon spirit will awaken in their hearts they will they will recall the word of god and they will say you know i should be in israel and i and they will go they will move of, of their own uh, choice and they will they will they will go to the land and continue to to be a fulfillment of this aliyah, these aliyah passages and there are others because they grew up in the say the the Soviet Union where it was atheistic they had no rabbi they had no synagogue they don't even know the word of god and they had no one to teach them the word of god and often Ezra international representatives and volunteers are the first to tell them that they have the right to go home based on the word of god and based on israeli law so there's no way for them to have known so I believe when we look back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, we see that these both scenarios do exist. Chapter 30 of Deuteronomy says, Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curses, the persecution, the anti-Semitism, the war, the, 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 the financial collapses, the, the collapse, the things that happen to them. When these things have come, uh, come upon you, the blessings and the curses which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord drives you, and you return to the Lord God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and, ha and have compassion on you and gather you again from the nations where the Lord God has scattered you. See, these are those who it, it comes to their to their heart and to their mind that they need to go based on the things that they know to be true, the word of God. And it, it compels them to go home. And God says, yeah, you will. You, you, will, you, will wake, you will awaken and I will bring you home and you will go to the land. But then it goes on to say, and I believe this is in alignment with Ezekiel 36, because the prophet Ezekiel would say nothing that contradicts the word of, of the Torah that came before him. And it says, if, in verse 4, if any of you are driven out of the farthest under heaven from the Lord your God will gather, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He shall prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Didn't Ezekiel say, I will give you a new heart? He says, I'll put you in the land, then I will give you a new heart. It says it here, it will give you, I will circumcise the heart of uh, your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. You see, these, uh, this idea that the Jewish people in the land of Israel are not the Israel of God is a false idea. It's a false interpretation. The word of God is clear that both in belief and unbelief, they will come home. And we're witnessing that in our day. We're witnessing it before our very eyes. I, I just shared with you how now you have the same opportunity that I do to walk the streets of Jerusalem and see these these prophecies coming to pass. They're coming to pass right now. Our generation, we are the blessed generation to see what the prophets could only speak about. And yet we have these 
these anti-Semitic tropes being spread throughout social media, and we have to understand how false they are. We need to be able to defend them and know what to do, how we can um, do what God would have us to do. And that's why I'm here. That's why Ezra International exists to do the will of God on the earth today. And so I just implore you once again, once, firstly, don't believe these things that you're reading or being or that are being spread on the internet. Two, believe the word of God. It's more true than things that you see around you. It's more of a reality than the things that you're seeing around you. And that Three, you have an opportunity to be a part of all that God is doing. You can go to EzraInternational.org right now and check us out, see all the work that we're doing. And you can go to that donation page. You can make an offering, a one-time offering, or make a monthly pledge. And you too will become part of helping bring the Jewish people back home to the land of Israel, the land of their biblical promise, the land that God promised them all the way back to Abraham. And he not only said, it's a, a land that I'm giving you, but he said, I will be God to you and you will be my people. So you can, you have a role to play in helping the Jewish people be reunited, not only with their land, but with their God. God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope you come back to another one soon. We'll see you next time.